All right, if we talk about Jesus a little bit this morning. Anybody into that? Amen. Amen. Oh, just got to gather myself. It's been quite full already. So let's pray. That might help me. Father, we just thank you, Lord, right now. Holy Spirit, we invite you to minister to all of us. Holy Spirit, I ask you to bring to remembrance what you want me to remember and forget everything that's of me. We just want to hear from you this morning, Lord, so we can grow and move forward in our walk with you, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Okay. Can we have that first slide up, please? I'm going to be speaking out of uh, Psalm 23 this morning. Did you notice that last song was all about Psalm 23? There we go. Is it? Oh, everything's gone out. There we go. All right. The Lord is my shepherd. Amen. So when you think about Psalm 23, what is it you actually think about? Um, Do you think about beautiful pictures like that? Maybe the whole psalm written and framed and hanging on your wall, you know. Nana might have made you one out of cross stitch or something, you know, what I'm talking about. They're beautiful. I think it's amazing. Psalm 23 is probably... Well, it's probably the, the most famous psalm or the most famous scripture. Even the world knows it. As soon as you say to someone, the Lord is my shepherd, they know exactly where that's come from. And, and they'll, you know, more than likely know it's Psalm 23. So I want to talk a little bit about Psalm 23 this morning. Is that all right? And the great shepherd. Um, just a word on... Um, who wrote this psalm of course you probably know king david wrote this psalm and uh he king david was coming from and spoke from a place of experience in regarding to shepherds because he was a shepherd is that right that's what he did Uh, from a very young age his father had him out looking after the sheep all of his brothers were out doing other things but he got stuck with the sheep So he learned how to be a good shepherd. And he's speaking from that place of experience. Okay, so just keep that in mind. Um, When you, as I said, when you think of uh, Psalm 23 and you see this beautiful picture of uh, Jesus there with the little lammies and it conjures up all this sort of nice fluffy stuff in our heart, you know, I'm not speaking against that it's fine but sometimes we can just get this concept into our head that psalm 23 is just this beautiful nice placid thing you know but it's not actually like that it wasn't like that for david because he was out there looking after the sheep killing lions and bears is that right anybody want to take on a lion and a bear with a stick no probably not why don't we read through psalm 23 and we'll just there's a lot of rabbit trails we could take with this psalm, but um, and clearly we don't have time to do that. So um, I'll be just touching on a couple of points. I'm going to make try and make two major points, okay, as we do. So um, if you want to put that up, I'm reading from uh, the New King James Version, the only one. Uh, um, okay, so Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want... 
or I shall not be in lack. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Sounds good, right? So as I said before, David wrote this psalm. At the time, he was a king. He was King David when he wrote the psalm. He wasn't a shepherd, but he was a shepherd by trade, if you like. Uh, So he knew what he was talking about. So when we think about, for us as Christians, so this was Old Testament, we understand that. um, The Lord is my shepherd. That was his opening statement. That's that's a pretty strong opening statement made by uh, King David. Is that right? He acknowledged God as Lord, but he also acknowledged him as shepherd. All right? So if... In, in, in For us, we understand who our shepherd is, do we not? It's the, it's, the, it's the man in the picture, okay? The Bible clearly says that Jesus is our shepherd. In John 10, it says he's the good shepherd. Hebrews 13 says he's the great shepherd. In 1 Peter, it says he's the chief shepherd. So there's really no mistaking who we're talking about. I'm going to be speaking about the Lord, the shepherd, Jesus synonymously if I can put it that way and I'm sure well hopefully I won't confuse anybody but um, we we have to think about this in the mindset of David when he wrote this but also in the mindset of us as Christians here today in the 21st century and what it means to us so who acknowledges that Jesus is our shepherd I am looking for hands okay who acknowledges that Jesus is our shepherd Okay, great. Just think about for, for, for a moment David or, or a shepherd in the field. Um, who is he shepherding? Well, he's shepherding the sheep. So if Jesus is our shepherd, well, then we're the sheep. Is that right? I'm going to keep this pretty simple because I need it to be simple for me. So we're the sheep. Is that right? So in, in, the, in the natural, the shepherd looks after the sheep. And the sheep know the shepherd's voice. Is that right? And if the sheep are smart, they'll follow the shepherd's voice. You with me? If they're stupid, they will ignore the shepherd's voice and they'll fall in the ditch. Or they'll get taken by a lion or a bear or or whatever it might be. Yeah? And it's exactly the same for us. If we don't follow the voice of Jesus we can fall into a ditch yeah okay so we need to recognize the shepherd's voice as well and I was just reminded of this yesterday when I was at a soccer game with uh, Brad and uh, Jesse who's playing soccer Jesse's eight right Brad's the coach of this team if you've ever been to a, a, a sporting game where children are playing you will know that there's a lot of voices on the sideline, usually the mothers. 
they are the loudest out of everybody. Trust me, I've been to many, 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 many grandkids games. And it's really quite interesting because yesterday I was there and Brad's the coach and he's yelling out directions to his players, okay? But at the same time, there's a lot of white noise. Those poor kids are doing their best. They're learning their craft as a soccer player and they're really working hard at doing the right thing. But they've got all these voices screaming across the field from the mothers usually. And in the midst of that, there's the shepherd's voice. You with me? There's Brad's voice. And somehow they had to distinguish between the voice that they needed to listen to and then voices that they needed to ignore. Have I made this pretty clear? It doesn't always work. And you can see the coach getting frustrated sometimes. But it's fun, you know, it's great, it's great. But I just wanted to share that as a point. Um, This is really point one. If Jesus is our shepherd, we are to hear his voice. We are to listen to his voice. We are to pay attention to his voice and somehow shut out all the white noise. Okay, so I'll ask you this question. Is Jesus our shepherd? A bit louder. Okay, cool. I'll, I'll assume everybody said yes. So, do we follow his voice all of the time? Some of the time? Hardly ever. What about never? See, trying to avoid the rabbit trails hang on a second this is very important this is point one and there's only two points okay to my message i think oh there might be some interwoven anyway so cast your mind back for those of you that were born again um, you know, like as an adult or, or even... I'm trying to distinguish here between people that consciously got born again and children that grew up in church, okay, who at some point need to acknowledge Jesus for themselves, okay? So that's a message for all the young people. Um, so cast your mind back to when you gave your life to Christ and I can, I can easily remember it um, and this might be... You know, you might be able to relate to this, but, you know, like when we're in the world, before we acknowledge Jesus, we lived a certain lifestyle. Is that right? Um, And someone introduced us to Jesus and we had to make a decision, right? Well, I don't know about you, but I went through this phase of, yeah, I I believe what you're saying and it's great and I want to become a Christian, but I don't want to give up my lifestyle. Okay, or I might just give up a couple of things but I just want to hang on to this and that can anybody relate to what I've just said only six people um, because it's a very important point um, there's Christians who are born again 
but don't live for Christ. That's just a reality. Or they're not pushing to live for Christ. They just don't want to. They just don't want to change. You know, Terry, um, and the vo- put your hands up here if you're a volunteer in the Lifehouse. You'll you'll know what I'm talking about. Um, they serve hundreds and hundreds of people a year. Uh, people that are doing it tough and um, and and helping them and 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 lots of them actually get saved because they minister to them and they pray for them and they lead them to the Lord. You know, but unfortunately, the vast majority leave it at that point. They want Jesus, they want salvation, but they haven't made him Lord. Or they haven't, they want salvation, but they don't want to make Jesus their shepherd. They're happy with the salvation and the fact that they're going to go to heaven one day, but they're not totally convinced that they need to drop all the stuff now that's an extreme example of what I'm talking about but you know maybe some of us can relate to that you know because if we if Jesus is our shepherd surely we need to listen to what the shepherd is telling us just like the sheep in the field see sheep are pretty dumb okay sheep in captivity are are pretty dumb I'm sorry if you're a sheep lover and in my story, by the way, the sheep in the field are just for their wool, okay? Just in case there's any vegetarians here. Okay, so we're just, we're just farming sheep for their wool, all right? Okay? But the point is sheep are dumb, cows are dumb, goats are dumb, pigs are dumb. In captivity, they're just dumb, you know? But they've all got one thing in common. They taste great. Sorry. That's not what I meant to say. They've got one thing in common and they're all dumb and they need to be led, they need a shepherd and if they, you know, want to see tomorrow, they need to listen to the shepherd's voice. And you know what? If we want to see tomorrow, we need to listen to the shepherd's voice. I haven't really looked at my notes yet. Yeah, you're getting back to people that get born again. You know, they 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 hesitate about the whole Jesus thing because of the uh, fear of missing out. You've heard of FOMO, fear of missing out, fearing fear of missing out of their junky life. You know, so it can hinder them giving their life to Christ. And um, I was also reminded of uh, in Genesis, um, in Exodus, sorry, with. Um, with Moses in the wilderness, God called. See, God, God, got, God blessed the people and got them out of captivity. Is that right? And they were happy with that. We could call that salvation for a moment. But they didn't want to change. So they stayed in the wilderness. God called them stiff-necked people. Is that right? Well, I don't want any of the people in Liberty Family Church to be stiff-necked people. I want the people in Liberty Family Church and myself and my family to acknowledge who the shepherd is, who the great shepherd is, who the chief shepherd is, who laid his life down for us and follow his voice and ignore all the white noise. Because who knows, oh boy, who knows that the world is a little bit topsy-turvy right now. Would you agree with that? There's some really weird things going on, 
Amen. And there's plenty of preaching going on uh, at the moment who, uh, you know, talking about this is the last of the last days and so on and so on. And I'm not entering that conversation because, I mean, I do get asked that, you know, do you think we're in the last days? And I said, well, we'll be closer to it now than we were yesterday. And that's my standard answer because I don't know. Okay, so this is not, that's not what this message is about. But um, the world is rather, we, we think it's mucked up. But, you know, we've, we've just got to think back for a second, talking about a mucked up world. Would you have liked to have lived during that era? Or 30 years before that era, World War I? So I'm sure they thought it was the last days. Amen. But this is the point. Yeah. There's some weird things going on in the world today. We all acknowledge that. We know that. And we're living amongst that. Okay. But the world's always in a, been, a, been in a mess since the fall. Is that correct? It's just looked differently. But it's always been in a mess. Why? Because the devil is the god of this world system. Hello. And we're in it. But the good news is this hasn't changed one bit. From the beginning until now, it's the same. All through World War One, World War Two, the Civil War, and so Vietnam, etc., etc., etc. I'm sure the people that were involved in that thought it was going to be the end of the world. But all through it, the Word of God hasn't changed one iota, and it hasn't changed for you and I. Amen. Amen. But. We have to acknowledge Jesus as Saviour, as Lord, as Shepherd, all the three. And we need to listen to his voice. And when we don't, well, anyway, I don't need to go there. I heard this preach this week um, because, again, because the world is a little crazy and, and, and it's our world because we're in it at the moment, um, we can wonder what the flip's going to happen next and... Um, things happen to us, we get attacked by the enemy and so on and, and, and it can cause us to, uh, it can cause our faith to fumble sometimes. And I heard this preach this week and I think it's worth uh, mentioning. The, the preacher said that uh, too many Christians retreat backwards when trouble comes. They say they are believers, but stop believing when they face a problem. You know, we can be just, everything's beautiful when everything's beautiful. But as soon as something happens to us personally, our families, our physical, our finances, it can question, God, are you really on the throne? Why is this happening to me? He goes on to say this. Get ready. He says, they stop believing when they face a problem. They become practical atheists or unbelieving believers. And then he said this. Many Christians believe in him with their lips but deny him with their actions. So if Jesus is our shepherd, our actions will show it. It's quiet. 
I, I, I want it. I mean, when I'm, oh boy, when I got into this, it really caused my back to straighten up because Pastor Brad, whoever ministers up from here, knows that when they, when we share a word, it's for us first. And hopefully you'll catch it. Amen. That's point one. Is Jesus your shepherd? Is Jesus our shepherd? And if so, our life will show it. And there's many ways you could preach this. You know, you'll know them by their fruit, etc., etc. But, you know, I'm trying to stick to Psalm 23. All right, that's pretty good. That was just the first verse. Just checking the clock, looking good. Um, I'll get on to point two, but we'll re- I'll read it um, by verse. I'm just going to skip over the next couple of verses. Verse two, it says, okay, so keeping that in mind, the shepherd is our shepherd leading and guiding us. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. I mean, I know people that struggle over that one right there because it says in the New King James Version, it says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. I know people that don't want to be made to do anything. Not even by God himself. It's, I know that's funny, but it's... I'm only reading the Bible here, by the way. He makes me lie down in green... Why? Because he knows when we need to rest. He leads me beside the still waters. You know, sheep don't like to drink from uh, turbulent water. They only like calm water and that's why the shepherd leads them to it. Because when it's a fast-flowing river, it's danger for them. And that's why Jesus leads us besides still waters. Now, there's an interesting point I want to make here from chapter, uh, verse 1, 2, and 3. David is talking in the third person. He's talking about God to us because he says, He makes me. He restores my soul. He leads me besides the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And at the end of 3, and as it goes into 4, it's, it, it, there's a transition where he's talking in the first person. He's talking um, to God instead of about God. I just found that to be an interesting point. Okay? So in 4, it says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. And like, that always makes me smile when I read that. Because for us, when someone says, Yay, we think, oh yeah, cool, great, fantastic. It says, Yay, whoa. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. That's nothing to yay about in my book. Anyhow, uh, it goes on to say, I will fear no evil. Why won't I fear evil if I walk through the valley of shadow of death? For you are with me. In Hebrews 13, it says, Jesus will never leave us or forsake us. So again, for us as Christians, we need to know that he is with us 24-7. Jesus is with us 24-7. It's a really important point to remember because if we're going through a valley, when and again, I don't know about you, but whenever I've read this, 
walk through the valley of the shadow of death, it kind of goes, oh, you know, that's for people that get really sick and they might die and all that sort of stuff. It's not just about that. It's not just about the physical death because the devil wants to kill your relationships. He wants to kill your marriage. He wants to kill your finances. He wants to kill favour at work. The devil's out to kill, steal and destroy. Is that right? John 10.10. So even though those things may happen to you and me, we are to fear no evil. Why? Because God's with me through all that. And it also says that when we walk through the valley, it doesn't say when you are stuck in the valley. It says when you walk through the valley of the shadow of death. You know, there's a few of us in the room um, who have done, climbed many mountains. Many, most of you know about that activity that we're involved in. Um, but, you know, when there's mountains to climb, there's valleys to cross. And while, you know, in the natural valleys can be nice and pretty and there can be a creek at the bottom, the optimum thing that we want to do is to get to the top of the valley, get to the top of the mountain because the view is so much better from up there. That's the challenge. That's the goal. We need to summit that mountain. And uh, we are to do that as well in, in our lives. We are to walk through the valley of the shadow of death fearing no evil amen are you with me this morning and how can we do that we can do that because jesus is our great shepherd who will never leave us or forsake us and i'm getting to point two what did i write here if jesus is our shepherd and we follow him and obey him then we will enjoy contentment refreshment and provision just like uh the calm waters and and the and the uh, the paddock where all the grass is, where we lay down and have a rest. But if we choose to ignore his leading, his voice, his commandments, then we are vulnerable to attack. Remember what it says in um, 1 Peter about the lion. What is the lion, uh, the the roaring lion, um, which is the devil, of course. The roaring lion roams around to see who he can devour is that right well in the natural in the in the field with the shepherd there's lions out there what do lions do they look for the weak the vulnerable the old and the ones that have been disobedient to the shepherd they're the ones the lion will take out first and the 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 scripture says that the lion is roaming around looking to see who he can devour for us He's looking, he wants to kill us. I'll say that one more time. He wants to kill us. And if we get separated from the flock even, we're a target. Amen? I think that was a word for someone. All the benefits of Psalm 23 are available to us if we make him shepherd. Amen? Point two coming time's good is jesus our shepherd that's a question to be answered amen verse five you prepare a table before me could we have that picture up please oh yep there it is i'm not sure it's it's a bit hard to get a good picture of what i was trying to capture um 
but the boys have done a great job. Put your hands together for our sound team, our worship team. David Adams has done a splendid job. He's had to deal with me over the last couple of days. Oh, Dave, I want this. I need that. You know, and uh, everything I've asked for, he's done. It's just amazing. All right, so five. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Well, straight away, I'm thinking when I read this, you prepare a table. This Because remember, David's talking to God now. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Now, I'm thinking, God, couldn't you prepare a table before me in the presence of my friends? Or in your presence, that would be good. But no, if you were to ask God that question, why did you do that? He would say, well, because you're living in this world system. And you need to know that you're surrounded by enemies. But he's prepared a table for us in the presence of those enemies. In uh, David writing this uh, from Middle Eastern culture, um, David's talking not just about the Lord as shepherd, but the Lord as host. And a host in Middle Eastern times, in ancient Middle Eastern times, and in our times too, to some point, hopefully you're a good host when you have guests. Please be a good host if I go to your house. Um, But they made a point of really hosting. You know, that table was absolutely full of food and wine and all the provision. And that's what this table represents that David's talking about. He prepares a table before us, and that table is everything we need to live. That's what this means. Everything we need to live is on that table, but it's set in the presence of our enemies. That's a strong point that we need to consider because it's pretty amazing to me That although the Lord has provided a table for me in the presence of my enemies, with all the provisions I could ever want, just how quickly the enemy can come in and sidle up and sit at my table. Okay, for explanation, what does that mean? Well... So you've got to think of this spiritually, okay? Ephesians 6, uh, Paul talks about the armour of God and, and he explains how we are not wrestling against flesh and blood but against what? Principalities, powers, rules of darkness in high places. Uh, paraphrase, okay? That's who the enemy is. That's the root cause. Now... Those spiritual powers can use people. Look to the person next to you and say, are you being... No, don't say that. (laughs) But it's true. We are not fighting against flesh and blood. When, When we fall out with someone and have disagreements, have an argument, the fight is not really against that person. Something's caused that to happen and it's it's a spiritual attack, right? So... When we are sitting at our table of provision, we are... Su- Look, did you see the picture? Um, I'll go all the way over here because I think it's cool. That's obviously the table, but and it's going to be... 
Can you see the demons in the background? They're all demons, okay? Yeah, it's a, sorry, it's just a photo. But, it, you know, it looked great on my phone. <laughs> um, so while we have all this provision, we do, right? We do have everything, everything all the promises are ours and amen. And they've been provided to us by our shepherd in the middle of the enemies. So we have to be very careful because you remember the lion thing who's roaming around looking to see if he can come and sit at your table. Yeah? Who understands that the main way that the devil gets at us is through our mind? Right? So we can be sitting at our table amongst all the provision God's provided for us to live a beautiful life, yet get attacked in our mind. If that happens, the enemy is at your table. And I want to bring some practical examples of that just to consolidate what I'm talking about. Who is sitting at your table? And it could be a person. Because I said, the enemy uses people. And those people could be really well-meaning people, right? Just like the soccer game. All those mums are really well-meaning. They really are. It's, I think it's hilarious to see. I'm really quiet when I go to these games. I basically don't say a thing because I understand the principle of those kids out there trying to listen to their shepherd's voice. But... um. The mums, they're well-meaning. <laughs> it's, it's a bit hard for me to say this, but as an example, the devil's using them to throw off the shepherd and throw off the kids. So you've got to be careful what you're hearing from people is what I'm really trying to say. You, your best friend could be sitting at the table with you and be saying stuff to you, well-meaning but if it doesn't line up with the word of God, the enemy is at your table. Think of this spiritually, please. Don't think your best friend's horrible. They're not. They're great. They love you. But if they're not speaking the word of God and it doesn't line up with the word of God, the enemy's at your table. Amen. How does the enemy really get to us? He lies to us. Is that right? Why? Well, because he's a liar. He's a big, fat, dirty, stinking liar. He's the father of lies. Is that right? Who knows the list of ways the enemy can get into your head is endless. But one of the main things that he says to people, this is really point two, okay? Point two A or point two B. Remember we're talking about spiritual attack, the lion roaming around looking at who he can devour, getting in our ear with lies. Is that right? And one of the main lies I find he uses, and maybe it's just my experience, but you may relate, one of the main lies of the enemy is this. He wants us to think 
we are not enough. He wants us to think we are unacceptable to God. This is some of the things, and this is just a short list. This is just some of the things that we may be hearing while we're sitting at our table of provision and our table of abundance. We may be hearing things like this. You don't pray enough. You don't read your Bible enough. You don't go to church enough. This is a good one. You don't know enough scriptures. That's not coming from the Holy Spirit. That dialogue is not coming from the Holy Spirit because he's not accusive. The devil is accusive. You're not holy enough. You're not righteous enough. Or he could say stuff like this. You're not old enough. Or you're not young enough. You're not good looking enough. That's not really my issue. But... um, (laughs) What is my issue? Um, <laughs> you're, lo- you're not good looking enough. Okay. Or you're not rich enough. Or you're not good enough for your family. Your life just isn't good enough. If you've heard or you hear any of that junk the enemy is at your table and we are not to invite the enemy to sit at our table when those sorts and and I said that's a very short list and you've got your own list of the lies that you've been listening to when we hear lies of the enemy we are You can do it out loud. This is what I do anyway. So I shouldn't say you should, but Jesus did it. So that's okay. We should say, get behind me, Satan. Jesus said it. Remember when Peter was having a go at him, talking about what was going to happen? And Peter was what? Well-meaning. But he wasn't speaking the word. Jesus said something. Get behind me, Satan. He didn't say it directly to his face. I understand from what I read. He turned his back and said it because it was a spiritual attack. I say, get behind me, Satan, every single day, multiple times a day because that's how often the enemy can attack our mind. But you know what? As soon as I say it, it's gone. Seriously, as soon as I say it, the thought drops and it's gone and I get on with the day. It doesn't mean he can't try again, but I just say it again. And I say it out loud. Unless I'm in Kim's presence. (laughs) Because I wouldn't want her to get misunderstood. (laughs) 
lies, lies. If I had a few hours, we could talk about all the different types of lies, but can anybody relate to what I've just said? Has the enemy been lying to anybody at all? Has he been feeding your head full of lies, lies, lies? He he might fill your head full of lies about your children, about your, your wife, about your husband. Why? Because he wants to cause discourse in your heart. No, my family is a blessing to me. My friends are a blessing to me. The people in this church are a blessing to me. And if any thoughts come in to the contrary to that, get behind me, Satan. Amen? So point two is, who's sitting at your table? The table that's been provided. Where your cup runs over. That's just the abundance of God. Jesus came that we should have life and have life in abundance. Is that right? The devil is there to kill, steal and destroy. Amen? Who's sitting at your table? This is worth noting. Cool. Three minutes. Realise that the enemy attacks us in primarily three ways. By the devil himself, which is spiritual. By the world which is people and everything on it, and by the flesh, ourselves. We need to recognise that. Where is the attack coming from? Because it's always different. Well, it can be always different. Is this the devil having a go here? Is it something else? Is it me? Who's heard the expression, I'm my own worst enemy? Anybody ever heard that? Come on, come on. Or we might say it about someone else. Oh, he's just his own worst enemy. Well, that makes a lot of sense now, right? We need to recognise where the attacks are coming from. But they start in high places. That is our first focus point. And if anything is happening like that to you, the enemy is at your table and you need to ask him politely to leave. Not politely. Okay, because he wasn't invited to your table. We, unbeknownst, let him sneak up and sit right alongside. And, you know, sometimes he's really subtle because it can be your best friend sitting there speaking to you. Again, if it doesn't line up with the word, you reject it. Amen. All right, so I'm not minimising problems okay because they're real um but i am trying to maximize god and his goodness amen so while we are on this earth we will carry life scars is that right hello has anybody got any life scars put your hands up if you've got scars of life nobody ever your lives have all been absolutely onky dory peachy cream you've been walking into bed of roses never had a problem that's fantastic please come and pray for me but our life We carry life scars. Scars are cool. Chicks love scars, apparently. (laughs) Scars are okay because they remind us of where we've been. But you know what scars don't do? They don't define us. 
The scars Jesus carries defines us. Still got a verse to go. Six. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. One last question. Who's been sitting at your table? Amen. Thank you. Praise the Lord.